got what appears to be a dynamite sound. I am a blessed man of God, and the Lord has blessed me to do the things that I do. And so nothing just happens in my life. Man, oh man, welcome back to the Red Herring Podcast. It has been far too long. So first and foremost, I do want to apologize. It has been a hot minute since I released my last episode, um, but some things have happened in my life behind the scenes. Um, I had to prioritize some things. So, you know, this had to be kind of be placed on the back burner for a little bit, um, but I'm back. I'm going to do the best I can to get back to the weekly episodes. Um, today, I have a solo show. It's just going to be me. Like, like I say, it's been a little bit. Um, so I just want to try to get back in the swing of things. Just want to want y'all to hear this luscious voice, uh, just at least one more time. Um, so yeah, things have been good. Things have been going great. Um, you know, my job, things have been, um, escalating. So I've had more responsibilities. So I uh, had a bigger plate, so couldn't, you know, couldn't be as flexible as I was in the past, but now we are good. Um, so just diving right into today's show. Uh, today, I'm recording this on a Saturday. It's August 22nd. Um, it's probably going to come out this Sunday, maybe this Monday. But today is the DC Fandom Day. Um, today, the episode is going to be a little bit different than usual. Um, you know, almost always I'm focused on, you know, black excellence, black productions, um, pushing, you know, black matters. But um, this podcast was originally started to be open to a wide array of topics from, you know, film, paranormal things, sports things. Um, it was just supposed to be like a general, you know, just a, a regular forum just uh, just to talk about almost anything. So I kind of want to get back to that. Um, I don't want, you know, some people who uh, I don't want people to feel excluded by the content of my channel, if that makes sense. Uh, we will still be doing black excellence. Uh, we'll still be doing black uh, focused um, stories, black focused interviews. And I'm still pro black everything. It's just I want to take a little bit of a step away from that being the main gear and motivation of an episode and just have some fun with, uh, you know, just another type of episode. So um, getting back on topic today is the DC Fandom event. So for those of you who don't know, uh, um, I am a big comic book nerd. I love comics. I love movies. I love, you know, all types of films, but superhero films um, just have a special place in my heart. Grew up reading comics, grew up watching superhero shows, cartoons, animated shows. So anytime there's a live action superhero film, um, especially one from DC or Marvel, I am all for it. 100% I'm diving head first. So I'm mainly, um, well, I wouldn't say mainly, but I'm, I'm more of a, uh, a Marvel guy. My first comics were Spider-Man, X-Men, um, Avengers. Those were my first comic books. Uh, my favorite heroes have always been Black Panther and Batman. Um, it's funny because they're basically the same character almost. So that's, you know, I, I mean, I've still always loved DC, but I've always leaned a little more towards Marvel. Um, DC, however, has the better characters, if I can be honest. Um, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman are far more interesting than Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. I just compare those because that's DC's big three versus Marvel's big three right now. I guess you can include Spider-Man in that too, but um, they're just far more interesting. Their stories, their, their take on day-to-days is just far more interesting. Um, DC also has the better storylines. I think the only storyline that Marvel has um, that I can say is probably better than DC, I'm referring to the comics, is the comic book Civil War, the first one, um, is pretty dope. Secret Invasion is pretty good. House of M is really good, but DC just seems to have so many really good storylines. Um, I feel like they just beat Marvel in comic quality. Um, they also beat Marvel in um, animated films. The DC animated movies are amazing, but that's not what's going to make you a powerhouse for uh, media. 
Um, if, if you don't know, Disney owns Marvel as of like 2012. I think uh, right after the Avengers came out, I think it's whenever Disney acquired uh, Marvel. So, uh, but we're focusing a little bit on DC, but of course I will be talking about Marvel today because it is DC fandom. And um, I've seen some people commenting on Twitter and tweeting and retweeting and saying on Twitter that, you know, DC finally is, is, is finally getting their act together. You know, they're finally stepping up and they're finally, you know, they're playing catch up. And it, it really sucks, but it's the truth. Um, DC is playing catch up to Marvel. Um, you know, so just to give you a little history lesson, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or the MCU, um, it starts in 2008, right? So, um, well, it's actually, it started in 2006, if we can be honest, whenever they decided that they were going to make um, a cinematic universe. The uh, the producer for the MCU, Kevin Feige, um, he had this idea, this this great vision um, to basically make a connected universe through multiple superhero films that hadn't been done before. Um, you know, there's a super Superman reference in George Clooney's Batman. You know, there's other little references to other superheroes and other films throughout history, but there's never really been like a wide scale crossover event. So Marvel, um, mainly Kevin Feige, had this great idea that we're going to make superhero films. But they're all going to be interconnected. There's, you know, something that'll show up in this film will also be in this film. And, you know, the storyline will continue going. So I look at the each entry to a Marvel film as a chapter. You know, with uh, Endgame, they just closed the Infinity Saga. So each film basically is a chapter of that story. Which is powerful. It's great. You know, it's beautiful. It hasn't been done before. The problem with uh, with that for DC is they started something in 2005. Well, I guess 2004 if you want to start if you want to count production. But in 2005, they released the Dark Knight. Well, they started the Dark Knight trilogy by releasing Batman Begins, and Batman Begins is a phenomenal film. The whole Dark Knight trilogy is amazing. The problem with DC versus Marvel in this aspect is. DC and Warner Brothers was basically like Christopher Nolan, make us this powerful trilogy, make us this Batman trilogy. And he does. But what he did in 2005 is he made Batman grounded in realism. Now, Batman is a realistic character, but the world that he exists in is not a realistic world. You have aliens flying around, you know, you have Superman, you have Wonder Woman, um, you have Martian Manhunter. Um, you have the Green Lantern Corps. You have all of these like fantastic things that basically only exist in science fiction that exist in the DC world. But in Christopher Nolan's universe of Batman, these things don't exist. These beings, these people, these societies aren't real, you know, because he's basing this off of if Batman could exist in today's society. So the problem with it was it was successful. It was great. It was beautiful. The Dark Knight trilogy, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises is a beautiful piece of work you know whenever you're making a film a song a sketch anything you're making that's art you should put your heart and soul into it in in film that's there's no difference you know it, it should be your movie should be like your heart's art project especially if it's something that you you know you're really passionate about doing um, but with Christopher Nolan it's such a beautiful piece of art that it's it's just it's amazing that it just stands on its own but it's its success was DC's downfall because in 2005 you release Batman Begins, it does really well. You know, it you know makes a, a pretty penny. You know, not a billion dollars, but it makes you know pretty pretty good money, especially for a Batman film. Because at the time, Batman stock had kind of went down with Joel Schumacher making Val Kilmer Batman and then George Clooney. There was a couple failed Batman projects like Batman Triumphant, Batman Vengeance, that the studio just couldn't get off the ground because Batman had really lost its stock. 
So 2005 comes again, Batman Begins, masterpiece. So in 2008, this is when the Marvel Universe actually really starts, and it's with Iron Man. Now, with Marvel, it did something that is, you know, it, it's smart. In the moment, it seemed like a risk, but um, today, Robert Downey Jr. is a household name. You know, everybody, you look at Robert Downey Jr., he just screams Iron Man. And I would even say 20 years ago, he was a household name, but for the wrong reasons. You know, he was, you know, strung out on drugs, you know, he had all these arrests, you know, he just didn't seem like a bankable actor, someone who you can, you know, basically put the weight of a franchise on. And, um, well, they, you know, they did. Uh, so they, they went with, you know, Robert Downey as Iron Man. It was like a low risk, uh, low or low risk, high reward um, scenario where if he comes in and he's great, perfect. You know, we've now started a cinematic universe. And if he kind of like sucked, well, the whole universe is over, but maybe they can still recast him in the sequel. You know, it was, you know, something like that. But anyway, 2008 comes, Iron Man is fantastic, and it ends with Nick Fury, you know, basically telling Iron Man about the Avengers Initiative. But what else happened in 2008 was The Dark Knight. So now, The Dark Knight comes, and again, it's not connected to any other superhero. It's just Batman, it's just, you know, Gotham City, it's it's just The Dark Knight. It's, it's all Nolan's fa uh, focusing on. He's not focusing on setting up spinoffs, he's not focusing on world building, he's focusing on Batman. And it becomes one of the greatest films of all time. Uh, the Dark Knight. If you haven't seen The Dark Knight, I don't know what you're waiting for. I don't know what you're doing with your life. But honestly, stop listening to this podcast. Go rent the movie. Find it online. Illegally download it. Call me. I'll send you one of my three copies of it. For some reason, I have three collector's editions of the same movie. It was a weird time. But watch this film. Dedicate two and a half hours to really watching this film. And even if you don't like superhero films... The Dark Knight is a beautiful piece of work because this is what I told some people the other day. The reason the Nolan franchise of Batman was so successful because it's because Batman wasn't the main character. And I know it's crazy. Like, well, it's a Batman film. No, but Batman wasn't the main character in any of the Batman films of that Nolan did. Begins, Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises. Gotham City is the main character. Nolan is able to... Uh, basically show you Gotham as a living, breathing organism. You know, how crime affects Gotham, the impact of Batman on Gotham, the corruption inside Gotham, the people rising up inside Gotham. You know, everything, if you watch the films again, go watch the whole trilogy again, focusing on Gotham City being the character, it, it changes the whole experience of the film. It makes the film so much more beautiful. So again, 2008 comes, The Dark Knight comes out, masterpiece. Chef's kiss. It's great. It's fantastic. Heath Ledger killed it. Christian Bale is probably the weakest part of these movies, but still did really good. You know, you have Lucius Fox, uh, you know, Morgan Freeman, you know, Michael Caine being Alfred. Everything is just so beautiful in this film. Aaron Eckhart's transformation from Harvey Dent to Two-Face, albeit a little bit rushed towards the end of the second act, but still beautiful. So now here's the problem. Marvel is establishing a connected universe. You can't have Commissioner Gordon come in the end of the Dark Knight and saying, hey, I want to talk to you about the Justice League initiative. It doesn't work. So, and they're already contractually obligated to make another film with Nolan, even though he doesn't really want to because of the passing of Heath Ledger. But four years later, they make The Dark Knight Rises. Four years after 2008, that's 2012, and The Avengers comes out this year, that year. So, in those four years, DC hasn't put out anything. I mean, they put out Green Lantern, but it wasn't connected. There was nothing connected from The Dark Knight Rises. Meanwhile, at Marvel, you've had... So 2008, you have Iron Man. 
2010, you have Iron Man 2. At the end of that, there's a end credit scene for Thor. So now you've introduced Thor, and then at, also in 2010, you have the Hulk. And at the end of The Incredible Hulk, you have Iron Man and General Ross in a bar saying we're putting a team together. Then in 2011, you have Captain America. So from 2008 to 2012, there's, what is that? Four films that are all connected. They all kind of reference each other. There's little things here that show up here. DC didn't have that. They didn't have anything besides The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Again, The Green Lantern was there, but it did not count. It was not continuity. So then in 2012, you have The Dark Knight Rises. And all together, The Dark Knight Rises, very successful trilogy, made like 1.05, 1.010 billion dollars for Warner Brothers. That's successful. That is very good. Unfortunately, the Avengers by themselves made 1.5 billion dollars for Disney. So it's like, wow, big results. And the thing is, Disney, Marvel, they didn't rush it. You know, four years, that, that's, that's a long time when you're telling the same story. You're, you're developing it. DC kind of starts panicking. They're like, well, hell, our biggest rival, Marvel, just made a $1.5 billion from one ensemble film when we had three cinematic masterpieces and they only total one point, I think one, one and a quarter billion at most. So they weren't touching Disney financially at all at this point. Comic book sales are, are, were a little bit down at this time. I mean, like, they kind of went up because of the films, but like before the films, like, to be honest, most people weren't going out and purchasing comics. It wasn't, it wasn't like the 80s and 90s or even the early 2000s. It was a different time. So DC's kind of backed into a corner. They're like, okay, we just did The Dark Knight Rises. We just did this beautiful trilogy. You know, it ended on this perfect note. How can we catch Marvel? That's the first thought. How can we catch Marvel? So 2013, you have uh, The Man of Steel comes out. Anyone who knows my comic book preferences or my superhero film preferences, they should know I hate Superman as a character. I think he's overrated. I think he's a waste of a character. Um, for someone, you know, um, it, it, my, like I say, my favorite people were Batman and Black Panther, Flash, and Spider-Man. You know, great, powerful heroes, but could be killed with a bullet. You know what I mean? Like, if a, if a, if a bullet just so happened to hit him in the head, they're dead. You know, they're, they're mortal men. They will die eventually. And some of them, you know, Spider-Man, Flash have healing factors, but eventually they will die. You know, from, you know, in a fight, somehow they could be killed. Superman couldn't. You know, I watched him get shot in the eye and the bullet bends. I wasn't a fan of it. You know what I mean? His only weakness is this rock that exists on this planet that blew up and it's, you know, light years away from Earth. You know, yada, yada, yada. I didn't like Superman. However, I greatly enjoyed Man of Steel. When Man of Steel came out, you know, Zack Snyder films it. And I didn't like the, 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 the look of Man of Steel. It was gritty. I didn't like the graininess of it. I didn't. I didn't like the color palette that Snyder chose to use. Um, it, it just didn't. Um, it didn't exemplify Superman for me. It didn't seem colorful. It didn't seem vibrant. It didn't seem lively. But I loved the film because it showed like a, a grittiness and uh, that same grittiness. Actually, if we can, you know, take a side note real quick, that grittiness. The whole reason Man of Steel is even filmed that way was due to the, the success of the Dark Knight trilogy. The Dark Knight took superhero genres and made them gritty and dark and gloomy and brooding because that's what Batman is. So many studios tried to copy this and make superhero films that were dark and they took characters like Sony did to Spider-Man in 2012? I think it was 2012 when the first Amazing Spider-Man came out 
and they basically try to make it the Dark Knight of Spider-Man films. It's gloomy, it's dark, it's depressing. It's not as cheery and light and vibrant as a normal Spider-Man film. They even did it for 2014's Amazing Spider-Man 2. And not just them, but Fantastic Four did it that way. Um, or Fant Four Stick, the one with uh, Miles Teller and Michael B. Jordan. It, it was horrible. What the reason is, everybody was trying to emulate the success from The Dark Knight. So you were taking a storytelling narrative of darkness, gloom, depression, brooding, to try to apply that to other heroes who it didn't fit. So Spider-Man failed, Fantastic Four failed, and Man of Steel, I didn't, wouldn't say it failed, but it wasn't the truest Superman story, which, again, that's why I loved it so much, but I can understand the argument. So, Man of Steel comes out in 2013. By now, Marvel's moving to Phase 2. They're moving to the Iron Man trilogy. They're getting ready to do the Winter Soldier. Thor the Dark World is coming out. You know, they're moving on. They're introducing other heroes now. Like, things are opening up. And their entire world of connectivity is opening up. So, what DC did is they take Man of Steel. And they're like, alright. So, we have to fit a Superman origin story. We have to fit a Superman villain in this story, and then we also have to set little Easter eggs for other heroes, which was fine. I, I don't, I didn't have a problem with it. Didn't have a problem with it at all. Man of Steel came out to me as a great film. I like I say I don't like Superman, but Man of Steel is my favorite Superman film of all time. I just, I just love the way it's filmed. Zack Snyder did a pretty good job telling his story. His storyboards are fantastic. You know, Watchmen 300. Zack Snyder can tell the hell out of a story. I'm telling you, he can. he's really good at it. I just don't like his color choosing when everything's like dark and gloomy, but again, he can tell the hell out of a story. So DC now still has a problem because now you have Marvel over here with more and more heroes. You have um, you know, now, say 2014, now you have, um, you know, Captain America, the Winter Soldier has come out, has introduced Falcon. Now there's other heroes coming out. Um, you know, they're, they're, it looks like Marvel is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So DC, instead of going slow and being like, look, we lost the first leg. Let's slow it down. Let's release, you know, films, you know, moderately. Let's build a big story that we can connect all these heroes to kind of how Marvel did, because one thing about it, like, yeah, everybody can say, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you copied Marvel. Here's the thing. If it works, it works. You know, I don't care if my enemy does something that gets, you know, himself a million dollars in five years. Look, we might not like each other, but you are doing something that I need to apply to my life, like point blank. I'm not going to be that spiteful where I see a, uh, I see a system work for someone and I purposely go against it. So but that's what DC did. DC saw it work for Marvel. They saw it working for Disney. So they're like, well, we're not going to do what they're doing. We're going to do it our own way. And it didn't doesn't work for them. So in 2015, I think it is 2015, they come out with Batman versus Superman. So here's the problem they have. They originally like I guess they uh, they reach out to Christian Bale because it's a last ditch effort for some continuity. I guess they offer, I think it was $50 million to, to get Christian Bale to reprise his role for Batman vs. Superman. And Christian Bale turns it down. He's not going to be in the film, so there you lose your connectivity to the Dark Knight trilogy. So now you basically have to start from scratch and get a new Batman. Here you enter Ben Affleck. So Ben Affleck comes into the scene, you cast Ben Affleck, and I will be honest, and my homeboy Chan will tell you, I was against Ben Affleck being Batman. I was like, I don't I don't like Ben Affleck. I, I respected him more at this time as a director and less of an actor. And I was like, I don't I don't really like Ben Affleck. I don't think he's gonna be a good Batman, yada yada yada. But the problem with Batman versus Superman 
was not Ben Affleck. I will say there are three shining lights in Batman vs. Superman. Um, number one is Gal Gadot's uh, Wonder Woman. I believe she did fantastic. I love the way she plays Wonder Woman, and I always thought she was going to be too skinny for the role, but she thickened up just right. She's not like thick, but she's like lean, where she's a believable Wonder Woman. Um, the second best thing in this film so is Batman himself is um, Ben Affleck. He plays a aged Batman so beautifully, so perfectly. People hate it. People are like, well, he's not better than Bale. He's not better than Keaton. He's not better than Kilmer. I'm telling you right now, as someone who's read the comic books, as someone who's watched the shows growing up, as somebody who's watched the films, as somebody who's been a Batman fan my entire life, I'm telling you right now, Benjamin Affleck is the best Batman we've ever had. He looks the part. He feels the part. He looks and feels as if he could actually be a Batman who's been serving Gotham for 20 plus years, who has lost some fights, who has some scars, who's taken some losses. He is what you would think a Frank Miller Batman would be in, in the film. It, it just is perfect. It, and it blew me away. As soon as I seen the first trailer, I knew, okay, actually it wasn't even the first trailer. It was the first picture when they released that photo with Ben Affleck's Batman standing next to the Batmobile. I was like, hmm, this this guy looks the part. Then when I seen the trailer, I'm like, he kind of fits the part. Then when I watched the movie, I'm like, this man is Batman. His fighting style, his tech, everything screamed Batman. And the third saving grace of that film was Jeremy Irons' Alfred. I think he was a perfect Alfred. Michael Caine was my, is my favorite Alfred still, but I think Jeremy Irons did a really good job. So, but the problem with that film, and I don't even hate the where's Martha and save Martha thing anymore. I don't even hate that as much anymore. The problem with the film is it shouldn't have been made right then. You should have done a Man of Steel 2. You should have slow cooked things. But the biggest problem besides Jesse Eisenberg's horrible Lex Luthor um, impression and his impersonation, which it's god awful. I don't, I don't understand how people work in films, watch this and was like, okay, yeah, this is good. This is good. We're going to make this the final cut. When it was god-awful, there was no way that man should have ever been Lex Luthor. See, I was casting someone like John Hamm, Army Hammer, you know, somebody big, somebody like that can be intimidating, that literally could scream, you know, Lex Luthor. Um, at one point, you know, The Rock, people were talking about The Rock could do it. I, honestly, someone like that could have been a way better Lex Luthor. Um, but... Something else that sucked in this film that really was the worst, even even worse than, than Lex Luthor, is the fact that you included not just Wonder Woman in your film, but you also included Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman, and you just jammed them in there. So it, it goes from being a Man of Steel sequel to a Batman film, not really, and then to a Batman and Wonder Woman film, and then it's a introduction to the Justice League way too soon. It, you forced it in there. Now, if they would have just included Wonder Woman, fine. It would have been beautiful. It would have been perfect. It's like you've introduced Batman and Wonder Woman. Now you have a holy trinity. Now in the next film, whether it be a Wonder Woman film, a Batman film, whatever the next film would have been, you can start introducing the other heroes. But they didn't. They didn't do that. They were so focused on trying to hurry up and catch Marvel that they were just like, F it. Put everybody in this movie. 
So that's basically what they did. And they, they jam-packed this film. Even though Aquaman, Flash, and Cyborg don't really have like a big presence in the film, just the fact that their origin stories are almost like displayed in the film, it's like this, this film has too much. And it, and it introduces them right before the big doomsday fight. So it's like, it just feels like it's crammed in there. It feels like it's unnecessary. It just makes the flow of the story, it just seems rushed and impatient. So instead of developing these characters in their own films, they just threw them out there. So then the next film they have is, uh, I think Suicide Squad comes after. Suicide Squad is another film that shouldn't have been made. It just, it should not have come out. There was no need for Suicide Squad right then. You're establishing villains to characters whom you haven't even introduced yet. That was a problem to me. You're introducing these villains who have been arrested by these heroes who we don't even know who they are yet. You know, as, as a as a member of the general audience, we don't know who they are. Now, to try to like supplement that, they, they showed the scene where Captain Boomerang was basically defeated by the Flash for like three seconds. So it's like, yeah, 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 he's a Flash villain. And here's the Flash. Here's your first good look at the Flash. And it's like, this is unnecessary. This shouldn't even have been, um, this shouldn't have been, this shouldn't have been made. It was an abomination from the get-go. Um, they could they should have waited. The Suicide Squad movie that's coming out next year is the perfect time for it. Give the heroes time to have their own stories, introduce these characters, and then you can introduce an ensemble film of villains where it's like, hey, yeah, by the way, these are the hero, these are the villains that the heroes have locked up in their spare time. Cool beans. Uh, but then the next success that DC has is well, actually the only success they really have besides Man of Steel is Wonder Woman. Now Wonder Woman comes out. And it's decent. Patty Jenkins directs it, and it's it's not a bad film. It's just so much CGI, and which is fine. But the CGI is just like overdoing. Like the final boss fight looks like a video game fight, you know. And I'm all for CGI, you know, if it's done properly. The battle on Titan in Marvel when Thanos fights Doctor Strange and Iron Man, it's beautiful. It's all CGI. They didn't really go to a, a moon and fight, you know what I mean? But it's beautiful. The CGI works. In the Wonder Woman final fight, it's just a CGI mess. It kind of reminds me of Godzilla King of the Monsters when he's fighting Ghidorah in Boston. Everything is just blowing up. There's effing crap up. That's exactly what it reminds me of. And it's just it's just too much. And I didn't like the fact that they played Wonder Woman in 1941 or, or ni no, 1917 or whatever, during World War One. It felt like they were trying to copy Marvel too much with Captain America being in World War Two. Now you have Wonder Woman in World War One. It just... It just didn't make sense to me. It would have been better if you would have introduced Diana maybe in the 80s or the 90s. You know, I know her sequel takes place in 84, but it's like it would have been better if she would have been introduced more closer to like today's society. But overall, the film was pretty good. Now you go from that to Justice League and God, Justice League was a mess. I'm telling you now, um, the viral promoting beforehand was Unite the Seven. However, they only have five Justice League members for the first I don't know, two hours of the film, and then they resurrect Superman, who basically defeats all of the Justice League, and then comes in for like the end of the third act. Um, so then you have six. So the, the whole Unite the Seven viral campaign they had was useless. And unfortunately, you know, Zack Snyder's filming this film, and then I believe, I think it was his son or his daughter, um, I guess she, you know, she passed while they were filming the film. So Joss Whedon, who directed Avengers 1 and 2, um, had to come in and basically finish the film. So he had to do a lot of rewrites, a lot of reshoots, and you can tell because the movie is going one direction, the tone is a certain way, and then it just the tone switches, which I'm okay with having multiple directors direct on a film. 
but you have to have communication beforehand because it has to tonally fit. You know, it has to have a similar tone, similar direction, or else you're going to get a mess. And that's exactly what you got with Justice League. You have this rushed production. It's 2016. What do we have? Um, we just came off of, off of Civil War in Marvel. So now you have Justice League and you're just trying to throw everything in there and it's becoming a mess. Again, DC's playing catch up. They're trying to match Marvel pace for pace, but, but Marvel, they, they, they slow cooked everything you know i'm a big dude surprise surprise big dude large dude grande for my spanish speakers i'm a i'm I'm a man's man i love food that's the point i'm getting at and one thing about food it, it it tastes better when it takes longer to make sometimes you know what i mean like you know in my in my previous relationship i was with a woman who could not cook very well um everything was done in like five ten minutes you know 30 minutes at the most everything's just whipped together you know and it, it feeds you you're okay in that moment but it doesn't taste well it doesn't taste you know like like you'd want it to taste you know it just it it, it it gets in there i'm not hungry anymore but am i am i satisfied now i'm in a situation where i'm blessed with you know a woman who's cooking i'm blessed with my grandmother who's cooking i'm blessed with some people who are in my life who who really know cooking who really know their way around food know their way around a pot and let that thing soak they let the meat soak they let everything they prep just soak and and it takes time to develop these meals and i'm telling you when i eat these meals i'm not just full but i'm satisfied Mm, that's that's a word i'm not just full but i'm satisfied and that's how marvel is making these movies they're they're not just feeding you but they're getting you satisfied so much so that as soon as you're ready you coming back for seconds and the previous relationship hey i ate i'm done i'm good i don't need to eat no more i done tried it i'm full i want to sleep i want to have sleep for dessert now it's like, nah, I, I want a couple of extra pieces. That's how Marvel is doing you. And that's how they get you with them end credit scenes. Because now you fool from the movie. You're satisfied. The movie was great. The story was beautiful. Now they get you this end credit scene to get you hooked for more. DC, on the other hand, what they were doing is they was feeding you. You weren't satisfied. And then they were like, oh, by the way, we're going to make a Harley Quinn movie to get you a dessert. And you're like, I don't, I don't want it. I'm not hungry no more. I, I'm good. I'm going to have sleep for dinner now. So they were doing too much was my point. And they were rushing it. They were cooking it too fast. They were trying to make this Thanksgiving dinner all within an hour instead of letting things cook and letting them build overnight and letting it soak and getting you prepped and teased for it. So Justice League comes out, it flops, it sucks. The studio interfered and cut out a lot of it. So I'm excited for Justice League, the Snyder Cut, that's coming out next year on HBO Max. HBO, if you're hearing this, go ahead and go ahead and send me that uh, that advertisement money, and I will promote y'all every single week. Um, but until then, um, it's coming out on HBO Max, Justice League, the Snyder Cut. So it's a four-hour cut of Justice League, but it's the Justice League that Zack Snyder wanted. So things that the studio tried to cut out, scenes that Joss Whedon added that weren't necessary, all of that stuff is going to be edited, filtered, and in, 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 uh it's going to be released the way it should have been released. And that's, you know, gives me some hope because I, I do like DC. I want them to succeed. So seeing them put their best foot forward is very important. So coming back to present day, Marvel has just finished their Infinity Saga. Marvel is done for a little bit. They got Black Widow coming out, Shang-Chi, the Internals. They have stuff coming out, but it's nothing, nothing of a big name. 
you know the black widow movie it's gonna be okay um you know she's a noticeable character but it's not like iron man 4 or new captain america you know you're a couple years away from thor Four, you're a couple years away from Doctor Strange 2. Um, you're a couple years away from... Uh, there might be a Spider-Man film next year. Uh, to, no, not, maybe not next year. Maybe the year after. No, it should be one next year. Um, but my point is, DC is ready. DC, you can release a Batman film, and it's going to outsell any of these little characters. You can't tell me Shang-Chi is going to outsell Batman. Now, Marvel's behind it, so I know it'll be a great film. But name recognition... 88% of the people listening to this podcast right now don't know, no, don't know who Shang-Chi is, don't know who the Mandarin is, don't know who the Eternals is. So with DC, DC's in a very amazing spot right now. The lack of Marvel content, the lack of superior Marvel content, because Marvel's still going to release content. But the fact is, DC still has Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, Flash, these characters, Aquaman 2, uh, they have all these great characters that they can make movies for, and that can. And Marvel has basically teased the, the 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 box office so that any superhero movie that comes out that has name recognition is going to make almost a billion dollars as long as it's well produced. So today with DC fandom, they've released some some gems, and everybody's like, "Man, DC is finally coming up, and it's finally time." They've they've got Andy Muschietti, the guy who directed it, Chapter One and Two, to come direct the Flash film, and it's going to be a Flashpoint movie. So you're connecting, and this is where I originally thought DC screwed up, where how all the films from Marvel were connected, DC's junk was not connected. Like you have Ryan Reynolds as Green Lantern, but you don't bring him into Justice League because the movie doesn't connect. So and you have the TV series, you know, you have the Flash TV show, Green Arrow, all these TV shows that don't connect to the Marvel or to their main movie universe. Now everything's starting to connect thanks to the Flash TV show. So now all these old DC films like Michael Keaton's Batman from 1989, he's going to be in the new Flash film. Because now they're making it all connect through multiverse theory and all that junk. So if you were a fan of 1989 Batman, if Michael Keaton's your favorite Batman, you might want to watch the new Flash film because he's going to be in it. Michael Keaton is playing his version of Batman in this film. But at the same time, if you're a Ben Affleck fan, he's also going to be playing Batman in this film. So DC can make all these different films not connect them or they could connect them you know they can do whatever they want and people are still going to be interested the joker film that came out last year that got a billion dollars it's part of the dc black label so they're going to have elseworld storylines like that talking about joker riddler mr freeze these different characters that might not connect with the main continuity of the universe um but are still dc films and if they're successful enough all you have to do is say well yeah the flash can travel to this universe and make it connect so DC's in a very special place where right now they hold the keys to their own future. You make good films right now, you keep your actors happy, then you're good to go. The problem that they have is with it's different than what Marvel did. Marvel took actors that weren't known. You know, Robert Downey Jr. was known, but it's like he wasn't a A-lister. He wasn't banking in money. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't a household name to teenagers. He was a household name to people who were over 20 and over 25 and in their 30s because he was, you know, king in the 80s and early 90s and he was always in trouble what dc did is they took actors like jason momoa everybody knows jason momoa they took ben affleck took jeremy irons more uh lawrence fishburne um, they took big name actors and put them in these roles from the start 
and kind of lean in on them heavy. You know, you have, you know, Amy Adams as Lois Lane. Everybody has, like, name recognition. The only one that really doesn't have name recognition um, was Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot. Yeah, she was in Fast and Furious, but she wasn't very popular as she, as she is now. Ezra Miller, he had maybe one or two good films, like Perks of Being, on, being a Wallflower. Um, and then you had Ray Fisher. It was an unknown when he got the cyborg part. So you have, you know, these people who were... Um, some of these people that were, were super A-listers, Ben Affleck is a is a big A-lister. Um, Marvel took characters that are or, or actors that no one really knew. Um, Chris Evans was not a household name. He had been in some films, mainly some comedies. Um, people did not think he could pull off Captain America, um, especially because he was you know fantastic or Mister. Uh, I'm sorry, the Human Torch a couple years earlier. Um, then you had Chris Hemsworth. That for me, the only only thing I knew of Chris Hemsworth was he was Captain Kirk's daddy for like 15 seconds in Star Trek, and now this this man's wielding Mjolnir and summoning lightning. So they they put these big budget films in people's hands that weren't big names, so they could sign contracts for 10, 15 years. You know, they they could trust that this guy is going to play this character for 10 years. This guy's going to play this character for six films. You know, you got Ben Affleck as Batman, and he did two films and was like, yeah, I'm done. You know, he was over with it. He was fed up. He was done in that moment. So it's the complete opposite compared to Marvel. You give no names who want this chance to shine and they're going to stick to the role versus DC, who these are Oscar winning, you know, actors and actresses and producers and directors. They're not going to want to stick behind a franchise forever, especially since they've already had their uh, their name is now popular. You know, they, they, they have their their come up. They don't need, you know, to tag behind a franchise to feel, you know, fame. They have it. So that's where I think, you know, Marvel succeeded. But DC can still, um, you know, piggyback off of that where they've established this, you know, this, uh, this cinematic universe with, you know, big names, Jeremy Irons, Ben Affleck, you know, and, and, and still make it their own, you know, still have, you know, these unnamed, like, I don't think, you know, Green Lantern doesn't need to have a big name actor, neither does Martian Manhunter, you know, all, all the, the remaining leaguers, you can just fill them out with basically anyone as long as they look the part and people are going to watch because it's Justice League. Now, while I was recording this, something beautiful happened again this is dc fandom uh, today they're releasing so much stuff so so far today um i've seen the gotham knights video game trailer which looks pretty decent for those who haven't seen it the storyline is simple batman is dead um he dies in the beginning of the trailer you don't see it but you hear it it's like a like a news um report about and they found his body dead in an explosion and the code black goes out, or whatever they call it. And it's a message from him to uh, Dick Grayson, Nightwing, Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, Jason Todd, Red Hood, and Tim Drake, Robin. And it's just basically saying, Batman's dead, you guys are taking over now. Um, we leave the city in your hands, do what you can, or whatever. Um, the, 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 the game looks phenomenal, looks beautiful. Um, it looks in the style of Arkham, of the Arkham games. It feels like it plays like an Arkham game. Um, it's from Rocksteady, I believe. It just looks really good. Um, the Wonder Woman trailer came out and they finally revealed Cheetah. And all that is good. You know, Shazam had a teaser, or I'm sorry, Black Adam had a teaser with The Rock. But the crown jewel in this entire reveal was my man Robert Pattinson. They finally released the trailer 
of the Batman. And my God, this film looks phenomenal. Um, it just it just looks so good. It starts with Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon um, investigating, you know, what looks like maybe the Riddler's first murder. There's a riddle left. Um, there's somebody's face wrapped in duct tape. And basically, I think it says stop the lies written in blood. It just seems like it's going to be a great mystery murder mystery type Batman film. And Pattinson in the cape and cow looks mwah, chef's kiss perfection he looks so good this film looks amazing um there's one scene where he's fighting these thugs and whatever and this guy's like who the hell are you and batman just beats the hell out of this guy because he you know, gets attacked so he beats the hell out of this guy and then stops the beating to say i am vengeance and then continues to beat this man and it's just the way pattinson delivers the line it seems so natural he looks like a like a haunted tormented version of bruce wayne um, that just looks so, so good. Man, it looks good. I, I still think Ben Affleck is the best Batman because I haven't seen Pattinson in action. You know, Ben Affleck was ripped from the Frank Miller pages and is the perfect Batman, but Pattinson looks really good. This trailer is phenomenal. It, it's, it's amazing. Um, this could be the turning point for DC because Marvel is in a down season. Until they release Fantastic Four, until they get the X-Men established, they are kind of at a loss of high-powered characters. Yeah, you still got Thor, you got Doctor Strange, you got Black Panther, but they're not going to beat Batman, Superman, the Justice League. So right now, you know, DC, you know, just 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 flow. Just flow with what you got. Just just play your hand. Don't try to force it. Don't try to cram too much into something. Just let it be what it is. Because right now, DC this weekend. Oh, man, I haven't been this excited for DC films since mm, my first trailer to The Dark Knight Rises. The first time I seen The Dark Knight Rises, that's probably the last time I was this excited for DC property. So it looks good. I'm, I'm telling you, if anybody follows me on Twitter, um, I stole the video um, and I didn't I didn't tag DC fandom in it. I didn't uh, hashtag it because I didn't want Warner Bros. to take my video down. Um, and it's still up right now. It's got like 10,000, 12,000 views. Um, so go check it out. It's great. It's a beautiful, beautiful trailer. But this is where DC can really start turning the tables because while Marvel is out of new characters to introduce that are like gripping outside of the X-Men, like you can't recast Iron Man, you know, you can't recast Spider-Man. Um, DC's winning because they're releasing Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash. You know, I would say they're winning. They're winning right now. They're winning this quarter. Um, and if you know it's a good competition, then we all win because that's that's what we want, right? We want high quality films. Um, so today was definitely a nerdy episode. It was definitely a uh, Marvel DC type of podcast where you know I'm I'm just really excited to see the things that DC is doing. Uh, Marvel has had its time to shine, and I still believe Marvel will shine. I still believe Marvel will produce better films than DC, um, but the excitement and the hype is there. The potential is there for DC. Uh, Matt Reeves is filming the uh, the Batman. He already well, already filmed it, but he's helming the Batman. Um, he did the uh, the Rise of the Planet of the Apes series, the new one. Um, he's done some other stuff as well, but you know this just seems to be you know a good turning point for DC. Aquaman two is coming out. Um, Wonder Woman looks fantastic. Black Adam. I haven't seen any actual footage from Black Adam, but it's The Rock. I mean, The Rock really doesn't make too many bad films. Um, if anything, it might be a bad film, but at least it'll be entertaining. So there's that. 
Um, so yeah, future looks bright for DC, man. And uh, I'll continue to cover some of this stuff from time to time because it's a big passion of mine. You know, I love black people. I love movies. I love film. I love comics. You know, I love sports. So those are the type of the, the five things that I love to report on. So um, yeah, so I guess it's going to wrap it up here, man. Uh, for anyone listening that doesn't follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Red Herring. That's R-E-D-D-H-E-R-R-I-N-G. Then a little underscore sign. That's on Twitter. It's my only social. Um, I'm not cool enough to have Instagram and Facebook. I just strictly stick to my wholesome Twitter page. Um, but yeah, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to rap about on the podcast, reach out to me. Hit me up. Um, but as always, man, have a good, blessed day, blessed weekend. See you the next time I see you. I love you all and red out.